I'm just uh, sitting here. Higgins, you enjoying that sweet, sweet drink? Yeah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yep, more on that later. But for now, there's something right there in front of you. There is something right there in front of me. Mm-hmm. I yeah. see a blinking light, too, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you? How do you feel about that? Pretty scared? Yeah. You should be. Yeah. This is the scariest podcast that we're ever going to do. It's the spookiest. Mm-hmm. Well, until next October. Higgins, it's funny that you assume that we'll be here next October. Yeah. We can try. We can uh, have dreams. Yeah. But let's find out first if that thing under that blanket will or won't, will not kill you. All right. Cool. So I'm just, I'm just going to jump in front of the thing and hopefully everybody enjoys it. Don't let his carefree attitude fool you. He's really scared. All right. A three and a two and a one. Oh, my God. There's <laughs> candy corn in a bowl and it's just staring <laughs> Candy corn is disgusting. Uh, It it took me an hour and ten dollars to set all this up. (laughs) Did you buy that? Did you buy that sign that says "Enter if you dare"? I did. Do you dare? I I I don't dare. (laughs) All right, you want to enter into this podcast instead? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll just stare into this (laughs) big bowl of candy corn and shiver the whole episode. Good. Sounds bad. Higgins, you want some candy corn? <laughs> no, I'm all right. Okay, you're lost. I don't want any of that. <laughs> so tasty, though, Higgins. But more importantly, welcome back to Comrades, Cocktails, and Comics, the show where we get together, we drink together, but more importantly, we read together. My name is Snoop Lynch. As always, is my terrified co-host, Higgins Sturm. Hey, that's me. That is you. And I'm very spooked. Mm-hmm. I, be- I hope everyone listening enjoyed that great visual bit we just did i mean if they're following us on all those things we say at the end then they'll get i'm assuming they'll get to see it Mm -hmm. but if not i'm sure it sounds just as great yeah things we were gonna have a guest this month but as always life gets in the way yeah honestly that might be scarier than the candy corn i know we'll figure we'll figure something out for him absolutely we will well actually he's gonna figure out stuff for us because okay yeah it's gonna be a good time this is a month of mystery, so let's not get any more into it than that. All right. All right. Instead, let's tell the people what we're doing this month. We're switching things up a little bit, so why don't you uh, why don't you explain to the class? All right. So we read shorts. Was yours a short story? Higgins, it's pretty short. All right. Well, we, we read some short stories that are maybe creepy, maybe horror, maybe just a little scary. That's right. And we're each going to kind of go into what we read, tell the other person a little bit about it, tell you about it. And maybe recommend it, maybe not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Higgins, I, in typical fashion, literally read my story maybe like 10, 15 minutes ago. I know you had like one really good month, and <laughs> and then you had like the worst month so far. <laughs> this is the this is the furthest I've ever pushed it. Granted, yeah. I probably could have finished it before you got here, but then I wouldn't have been able to set up all these cameras to capture your reaction and set up that candy corn. I know. Yeah. You sure you don't want any? I'm so sure I don't want there's, any candy corn. There's so much in that bowl to go around. I know. There's probably at least, I don't know, at least seven. You know what would go great with that candy corn that I'm probably going to be the only one to eat? Yeah. Washing it down with this great drink we have this month. What yeah, is that? We have a good, we do have a good drink. It's uh, called the Gravedigger. We also procrastinated on that one, but it's called the Gravedigger. 
And that's kind of spooky, right? Higgins, I'm, I'm shaking in my boots. All right. But that's okay. You don't have to shake for too long because this drink is pretty tasty. Mm-hmm. And it comes with some bourbon of your choosing. Or whiskey. Bourbon or whiskey of your choosing because we, we all know they're the same thing. <laughs> and then we got some hard cider of your choice. Or in Higgins' case, something that's not hard cider. Yeah, there's like, who knew there was like apple flavored things weren't always cider. Mm-hmm. We did find out something, though, that, uh, see, you got Red's Apple Ale and use that, but that's yeah. not a cider, Higgins. That's an ale that has a natural apple flavor and is brewed, whereas cider is made by using fermented apples, similar yeah. to making wine. Yeah. So now you know. And now, now I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's learning. Living, learning, being scared. And then covering that all up with some ginger ale. That's right. Which is what you do at the end of the drink. Mm-hmm. Also throw- To your, to your uh, choosing. To your absolute taste, yeah. Throw a little bit of crushed ice in there to keep it cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're keeping it in a tumbler like they recommended, so. They said to put dry ice in there, but they said you couldn't drink it that quick. And we don't have time for that. And we don't have time for that mm-hmm. at all. Because the scariest, maybe the scariest part about this, besides there being no pictures, is that I have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> As always, you find a way to make everything about yourself. Yeah. So. <laughs> I do my best. You. <laughs> You succeed. Uh, But yeah, so we got into the drink. As always, I'll leave a link in the episode description notes. I recently found out, though, that Spotify doesn't like my links that I drop in there. So if you can't use those, maybe let me know using the things that we'll say later. We've got an email. You can let us know now if you want. uh, Yourcomrades at gmail.com. But yeah, I'm working on it. Maybe I'll fix it. Maybe I won't. I'm not too invested in it, to be honest. Uh, we'll figure it out. You know what? I am invested in Higgins. That book that you read. I'm invested in the book that you read and wanting to hear about it. Okay. You want me to go first? Absolutely. I'm talking all over the place. So I got recommended one by our friend, uh, Paul Mayo. He suggested for me to read this, uh, short story by the author Harlan Ellison called I have no mouth and I must scream. And it was pretty creepy. It has the, the most, uh, the most scary thing in it that, that I'm afraid of, which is, besides candy corn, which is uh, artificial intelligence. Oh, no. <laughs> and this robot is a, is a super, super baddie. Not a good guy at all. What kind of AI are we talking here? Like Hal from, uh, like Hal from 2001? Or more of like a, whatever that weird blocky thing is in Interstellar? It's more like a, like a giant, like omniscient, like supercomputer kind of thing. Because what happened, okay, it was, the short story came out in a magazine in like 1967. So that's like right around Cold War time. And so its premise is like they're in the Cold War and China, Russia, and the U.S. are fighting each other. And they build these supercomputers that they call AM. And that AM thing, it means like all sorts of different stuff. When they first make them, it's like allied master computer. And then it turns into adaptive manipulator. And then the last one is an aggressive menace. Is what it starts to mean, like towards the end. The precursor to Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Oh man. And uh, yeah, what's that, Mister Wilson guy? That's hey. you. Yeah. Okay. Makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So this giant supercomputer, there's three of them, and they're all fighting the war against each other. And then all of a sudden, like one of them gets like sentience, which is like the scariest part of artificial intelligence, is like they can think and have feelings. And so they have these feelings, and it sucks the other two computers into it. And decides to just kill all of, like, all of the humans on the world, except for, like, four guys and one girl. And then he's, he just tortures them, like, endlessly. And that's been going on for, like, 109 years. The same five people? 
Yeah, the same five people because he's gave them like some sort of like I don't know if it's specifically immortal, but they're virtually immortal, kind of like in his supercomputer like brain thing. Yeah, is he trying to kind of figure out humanity and like what makes them tick? Or no, he's just really pissed off. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah, because uh, so like the the plot line, they're like going around and like they're kind of hungry all the time because he like barely like feeds them. And, like, when he does, it's, like, really, like, disgusting, like, stuff with maggots and stuff like that in it. So they only really eat it if, like, they're, like, desperate, desperate, desperate. And so, like, after he does that, some one of the group members says, like, oh, there's cans of food here at this place and we should go get them. And all these people, except for the main, like, uh, like the narrator, have been, like, altered from their, like, personality. So, like, one was, like, the one girl... She was, like, super, like, chaste and stuff, and now, like, in the supercomputer world, she just really likes doing the sexy time. <laughs> That's good for the audience, right? Yeah. And then uh, one of the guys, like, he was, like, a super professional, like, smart dude that, like, was also very handsome, and then the supercomputer made him into, like, this monkey-type thing. So not handsome? Not handsome. And, like, not quite, like, he's regressing, like, as, like, a human, kind of s- dumb, and... That's who the the one girl is having sex with the most because apparently like it's 1967 and they can just say like people had big penises back then and people yeah are just, as we like, all cool, know we can't say that anymore cool with it I didn't I didn't say it <laughs> uh, so what's the does the AI have a name AM that's AM, what they call so, it oh that okay so it's just it becomes its name yeah its title uh so does AM have any kind of end game here that we find out about as far as I don't know, why pick those five people specifically? There wasn't any specific reason he picked these five people. We kind of find out because uh, there's a scene in the book where like the narrator like gets like hit in the head by something and is like unconscious for a little bit. And he has this like dream where the supercomputer is like in his head, like standing over him. And basically he just finds out like this supercomputer is like pissed off because he wasn't giving given like a... Uh, the ability to be creative or like walk around so he's at the end of the day it's still just a computer and it's like stationary but it's like messing with all these people using like it's like computer powers i guess but he can't wander around so it's pissed off at humans for not giving him the ability to do that and so he's just he's literally just taking it out on these five people for all of eternity wouldn't it be more productive for him to have those five people work and make legs no, he's just really upset. No, he's, or, yeah, he's well, moved past it. Yeah, the computer's just really upset, yeah. and he just wants to mess with them. So instead of legs, he just wants revenge. Yeah, revenge, revenge, revenge. Okay, why why just legs, though? Why stop there? Why not have? Why, why not want arms? You know, those are pretty cool, too. Yeah. Huh. I don't know, but he wanted to be creative and just, like, move a little bit. But he doesn't have that, and so he's messing with these people. And so they go on this adventure to go get that canned food. And, like, a bunch of weird stuff happens. They get separated. A bunch of scary stuff happens. Like, he, like, one of the guys, they all see him, like, hanging from the bottom of his foot. And, like, his throat's, like, cut open and he's, like, bleeding out. And then they, like, pop back. And, like, he was, like, just staring there. And he's, like, had seen himself being hung upside down and, like, his neck, like, cut open. But he keeps, they keep moving along. And a bunch of other stuff happens. There's monsters attacking him the robot's still giving them crappy food along the way and they get to this ice cave and they're like oh boy food and that was actually there they were like this is a hopeless mission and the canned food was there and they were super excited yeah they probably just had sexy time so they're hungry i know well just the one just the two 
Because it's just the girl and then the the monkey guy. Yeah, the ugliest guy. Yeah. Cool. But like I said, the biggest penis. So <laughs> that's why she's about it. You give and take. Yeah. But canned food and they get there and they're like, yeah, I got canned food now. And then they realize they don't have any way to open the canned food. So they're smashing these cans on the the like ice walls and stuff and nothing's happening except the cans are getting dented. And then the, the monkey guy finally goes insane and he jumps at one of the other guys and starts eating his face off. And that made the narrator, it like clicked in his head like, the only way that we're going to get out of this is if we like... Eat each other's faces No, off. kill each other. Oh, I missed... It was, yeah, close, but the only way they're going to make it out of this torture is to be dead. And so he snags a stalactite and stabs the monkey guy and the guy that just got his face eaten off. (laughs) And then the girl's like, oh, I get it. And so she stabs one the the other guy that I haven't even given a name to yet. There's names. They're not important. But she stabs one of the other guys. And so it's just girl and narrator left. And they're like both looking at each other. And I'm like... I don't know who's going to get stabbed next, but the narrator stabs her. And then the the supercomputer's like, uh-oh, all my playthings are about to be dead. And so right as soon as that happens, you jump, I don't know how long, because time's like a weird thing there. But they jump in time a little bit, and it's just the narrator. And he's like, I've been sitting here, and I can't do anything. I'm just this like giant gelatinous uh, blob with no arms or legs or mouth or anything so it's just like this big old like gray blob and then the computer's been torturing him like solely like by himself but he can't like he can't kill himself anymore because he can't be injured in that form and the thing that happened in this that i like the most is the last line of the the book is i have no mouth and i must scream so it's pretty it's pretty intense it all comes back around yeah it all comes back around huh all right it was really creepy because like supercomputers are scary it is your your least favorite thing. It's my least favorite thing. Uh huh. So awful. <laughs> and this just justifies every bad thought you have. I huh? know this is like this is the most evil smart robot I've ever come into contact with. All seven or eight that you've already met. I know those are those have only killed a few people. This one killed all but a few people. Okay. So is there like? I guess one thing I'm trying to wrap my head around is, I get he's a computer. And he can maybe like just hack into any other kind of technology and just take that over. But is he also magic? Because how did he turn him into a weird gray blob? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it might be one of the, like a matrix ty- matrix types things where like where they're hooked up to something and he's messing them with them that way. It sounds very Black Mirror before Black Mirror. Yeah. Or, or Matrix where yeah maybe. Maybe they're not even the last of humanity. They're just the ones that he got a hold of, and he, this is all just a weird simulation. Maybe he can just kill them by frying their brains. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how all of it works, because, I mean, it's it's wrapped up into, like, a, a nice little 13-page packet. So he probably didn't hash out all the details, but I think he was just trying to make a really creepy little ride for you. That's a lot going on in 13 pages. About some science fiction. Yeah. Wow. It also got turned into a video game that I hear is pretty creepy too. You think you're gonna play it? I probably won't play it. No, I don't. I don't video game. Things just imagine, just a a night with the lights off, controller in hand. That's on the screen. You're a big gray blob, just shoving candy corn in your face. I know it'd be bad. Yeah, like you'd 
you'd have to assume the robot knows I don't like candy corn, and that would be the only thing it gives me for sustenance. <laughs> or worse, he turns you into a big piece of candy a corn. A big piece of candy corn and then gives me black licorice, because that's almost <laughs> just as bad. Finally, something we do agree on. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that sounds pretty interesting, Higgins. It was a lot of fun to read. I'd give it some ratings. You give it a rating? Do you want me to do it now, or do you want me to wait till you're done? I say go ahead and do your rating while, yes, while the, this this um, spooky story is still fresh in everyone's mind. All right. So I'll give it seven out of ten cans of food because it, was, it wasn't my favorite because it, it did get a little weird, like hard to understand it sometimes. And you hate books that are smarter than you. I know. Yeah. There was It was written in 1967 too, so like the words were weird and <laughs> just so complicated that stuff. Yeah, they they wrote they wrote differently back then. Yeah, they wrote less is what it sounds like, and I'm actually all on board for that. Yeah. Yeah. They were big on those short stories back in the day. At least for science fiction, I think. I don't know how that works. I don't think people liked science fiction back in the 60s. No, man. 60s was all about science fiction. They didn't even go to the moon until like two years after this came out, though. Did you see how lost in space they were in the 60s? Yeah. I think that's the 60s. Hold on. Otherwise, this will be embarrassing. That'll be a terrible joke. <laughs> You'll have to keep all of this in there. As punishment. Yeah. It was a 1998 film. 83 episodes, three seasons. First episode, September 15, 1965. Yes. Oh, great. You nailed it. Whew. Pilot never aired, though. Sorry. Pilot never aired? Never aired. Well, they no. have 83 episodes and the pilot never aired? Not not to us little people, Higgins. Oh, so they just skipped it yeah. and went straight into the the second episode. Higgins, did you not just hear your story? People in the 60s were freaks. They <laughs> didn't live by the same rules we do. I guess so. Yeah. That is weird. Now, if you don't mind. Yeah, what are you Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. You, you gave a rating, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Seven out of ten cans of food. Oh, wow, how could I forget when I know. Just, just accolades everywhere, left and right? I know, that's probably my... That's a pretty low rating for me. I'm pretty just happy-go-lucky. Give you a rating, every, give you the best rating in the world. You're not every exactly. Time. You're not exactly in a good place right now. You know, after being scared. The pumpkin's staring me right in the face, <laughs> just right over. I actually got you the happier of the two stand-ins I saw. There was another one that said like, "Turn back now," and it was a, a skeleton. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably more appropriate for how you're feeling, though. I know. Yeah, but too bad. I've already locked the door. You can't leave until I want you to. All right. Mm-hmm. I gave, uh, at least until you're done talking about your book. No, well, actually, you have to wait because I gave Gary the key and he swallowed it. So, all right, I might be here for a little longer than you'd like. Uh, but till that moment comes, why don't you come with me to the far off future of 2000 and let me tell you about my story that I found 15 minutes before you got here? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a little shout out to Mayo as well. He didn't help me find this book, but he did give me some ideas. He actually just recommended that story. Yeah. Even though he knew he recommended it to you, and we were trying to do something different. Yeah. So I guess that's the one recommendation he has. <laughs> but still, he, he tried, and I respect that, so thank you, Mayo, if you're listening. Um, but no, I found a, a book. Now, the scariest part of this is going to be me trying to pronounce the author's name. It's Tanana Rive Du? She's a, she's a writer lady who's done a thing or two. Uh, American author and educator. She's done a couple things here and there. I don't, I haven't heard of any of these books, but some of them are apparently pretty good. Her first novel is The Between, which was in 1995. She's also got a couple other things like um, The Living Blood and Blood Colony and just, it's science fiction also in a way, I guess. Um, but 
I specifically read a, a short story called Patient Zero that she published in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction back in 2000. Not much to it, um, but I do like it. It's basically, it's written as a series of journal entries by a young boy named Jay, and he's kept in a room and studied because there's an outbreak of a virus called Virus J, which is killing all of humanity across the world. And for some reason, he's one of the first people that got sick and didn't die. Is this zombies? It's No, it's it's just kind of an infection. Just like that mo- that one movie you gave me that was like really long and drawn out, like It Comes at Night, where like there's some like angry blood or something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a blood thing, yeah. But instead of going crazy and only showing up in the dark to sometimes scare you like that movie did. Oh, okay. Um... It's just, you get sick and you die pretty quickly. Okay. And it's pretty, like, it, it's a very fast-spreading virus. There's mentions of, like, basically, like, this story's kind of like yours where the creepiest part about it is the stuff they don't mention yeah. to you. They mention a little bit about the virus and kind of maybe where it originated. Basically, um, this is all written uh, as a journal by this kid, so you're reading it from his point of view. And he says that his dad worked on an oil rig and they sent him home early because they drilled something up from underground and things were happening. People were getting sick and dying. So they sent his dad home because he was cleared and they didn't want him to get infected. But turns out he was infected. And so he infected Jay and the rest of his family, his brother and mom, and all of them died. I think his aunt died too when she came okay. to take care of the mom. Um, and it just kind of kept spreading through there. Like thousands of families got sick and just dropped dead and no one knows why no one knows what was unearthed and what exactly it does that kills people so quickly but jay is maybe the only person who has been sick and not died yeah it has nothing happened to him no and so he have you um trying to think of something have you played the last of us no i haven't played the last of us it's kind of similar to that story where um it, that's a zombie outbreak, but yeah. the premise is still pretty similar where there's a girl who was bitten and for some reason she didn't turn. Yeah. And the cure is in her blood. Some like they don't okay. know how to really get it, but they know that if there is a cure, it's in her blood. Yeah. And, um same kind of concept just without zombies. It's just people dying quickly. And so and, is he trying to get there or someone trying to get him somewhere? So after the virus spread and or after the first outbreak of the virus and news went around of him not dying, it ha- it takes place in Miami, um, okay. but he's taken to I think the CDC or at least at one point taken to the CDC in Atlanta. In, in Atlanta, yeah. Um, and just kind of kept in a room. He's Bubble Boy, but he's just okay. kept in a room. They constantly experiment on him. They they take as much blood as they can without killing him. Without killing him, yeah. And okay. uh, there's a couple. I think what makes the story really creepy, besides, again, not the stuff they don't tell you, is it's through the lens of a very young child. And this, When this kicks off, it's like September 20th in his journal, but okay. he mentions pretty early on that he's been in that room being experimented on, talking to the same doctors every day by himself for like four years already. And this, what we read, is just, from that point, almost an entire year still of him going through all these tests. All yeah, and just what his life is because it's really sad, but it's his routine and the stuff he says, it almost doesn't bother him as much as you think it should because it's really uncomfortable to read. Like I mentioned the blood thing, but early on they were doing experiments on him and operating on him and he says that 
it, like they cut open his arm and uh, do something there, and then they'd sew it back up. But he still feels that pain. Yeah. Um, still has the, those scars and stuff. Yeah, and then the worst one, he says they basically cut open into his stomach when he when they put him to sleep one time, and he feels like not everything's there that yeah. was, and it's just this. He talks to the same like three or four people throughout this story. The main doctor, uh, I think his name's Doctor Ben, who I think he has a little bit of guilt, but he's more than ready to do whatever it takes to this kid to find a cure for the for the disease that's still out there. Like it's still going on; people okay. are still dying. Um, and then he has, I think, kind of the only person, the only good person in the story, a teacher whose name is um, she had a weird name. Weirder than Tanana Tanana uh, so much weirder than Tanana Rive do. Um Miss Manigat. She's who kinda gives them an education. Yeah. But also is there to kinda make sure that they don't go overboard. We get a little bit of backstory about her and it's not it's kind of sweet. It wasn't the way I thought it was gonna go, being, you know, kind of supposed to be a, a scary story. And when she heard about the boy, because he's plastered all over the news as like the cure kid, she knew Dr. Ben and asked to come in to teach to teach him. And like oh, I said, okay. I think it's to just kind of look out for him because she knows how desperate everyone's getting. So she doesn't want them to murder a child for <laughs> no reason. Um, and every, like everybody else is just kind of on the mission. There are other women who are nice to him, but he loses them too. There's a lot of tension because you're not sure what is going on, just like he is outside of the room. It's only stuff that he's being told by his teacher, and okay. he's a child, so even what he is told and what he tells us may not be anything close to the truth. Yeah. Uh, like, the lights will go out every Sugar, now and again. Sugarcoating it for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's cool because this kid isn't, like, just an annoying, dumb kid. He, he's actually pretty intelligent. Like, he, he mentions that at one point, that he knows when they are lying to them because they have these, like, little lines that they tell him, you know, just... I wouldn't worry about it. I'm sure it's nothing. You know, just he he picks up on it and he knows when they're not telling him the truth. Yeah. He's a good character and it's sad because he talks about his family and how, you know, it's that time of the month, Higgins, when we're talking about a book. So there's, of course, a deadbeat dad. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's still sad because he lost his entire family and he's trying to make a family out of the people he does see every day. But he he's not stupid. He realizes that he's just there to help get a cure and in a way he wants to because he wants people to be better but he knows also that he's not going outside anytime soon and he's just kind of accepted it he's just going to be this lab rat forever huh well maybe not because oh yeah as, as things progress the climax of the story <laughs> happens uh but as things progress you know things happen uh they're they come in the room to to take his blood well at one point someone's um hazmat suit gets ripped and bum, bum. she dies within weeks. Okay. And so that she's gone. She never says it, but it's pretty obvious that uh, Miss Maganat, Manigat, Miss M. Oh, she dead? She's go if she's not dead, she's going to die because she's the one who always brings him his food in the morning. One day she doesn't, and then she comes back the next day and apologizes and, and is just like, I'll figure out something for you and talks about how she used to actually still live outside instead of live inside the building where yeah. it was safe. But because she, she still wanted to experience the outside world, you know, she, she had a garden she needed to tend after or whatever. But it's hinted that she got sick and she sl slowly 
going to die. And then one day she just doesn't show up. Dr. Ben as well just doesn't show up. That, that's what makes the story actually kind of really creepy is because at the end, the teacher's the last one to go out of the people that we've you know seen yeah. this boy talk to. We know um, the character, uh, the one I mentioned, whose hazmat suit ripped, her name's Veronica. We know she died. That was confirmed. Um, at one point, Jay mentions that Dr. Ben's beard is like suddenly really white and he's real tired. And okay. then he disappears and another doctor comes in, but he clearly just wants to do whatever to this kid. And that's kind of interesting, too, because... They mention at one point that there might be girls in China who have also not died from this disease. But when he asks about them, they quickly shut it down and say it. And and the teacher um, says, you know, not everybody is as kind to us as you are. So it's implied that those girls are basically experimented to death. Okay. They're just pricked and prodded just to find this cure. And it seems like he wants to do the same thing. The teacher quickly like just shuts it down and he's gone. But Dr. Ben's still gone. And then, like I said, eventually Miss um, Manigat is gone. But before she left, she says these numbers to him, 646-729-43. She says it's the code to his door. And, uh, okay. and she says, if I'm not here in the morning to get you your food like normal, this is the code to the door so you can go grab some food. And she doesn't, the last day is uh, fe- February 16th. And she doesn't show up, so he puts in the numbers, 646-729-43, the door opens. And it's interesting because he has wanted to see kind of the outside world. He really doesn't get anything. They gave him a TV in the very beginning, but when he started seeing his face on the news and everything they were talking about and uh, okay. what they were going to do with the, with him, yeah, they took the TV and basically set it up where he can only watch movies and cartoons like he can't get anything from the outside world other than what he's told so he he's wanted to know kind of what's going on but his plan is to just go look for food and then quickly go back in before miss m comes and he mentions basically he didn't see anybody around at all yeah and it's just an empty building probably it's a a completely empty building that no workers are in and all the workers he has seeing all the people that he's been around have slowly gone and he decides to uh, leave a note and go outside because there was no food in the building and he's going to go grab some and then be right back. But the way I take it, and it took me a minute to kind of put it together for me anyway, is he's completely alone. It's like even when he steps out of the building. Yeah. Because the CDC was supposed to be... The last ditch effort. Well, it was supposed to be one of the safest places you could be. Yeah. And if no one's in there because everyone's dead. Yeah. Then I, there might be other other a few people, who, people here and there that are like immune like him or something like that. But. Yeah, but he's I they never really say his age, but he's clearly very young, maybe oh. like 10, 12 max. I don't know. I just keep picturing Jake Gyllenhaal and Bubble Boy ever since he <laughs> said that. So, a 10-year-old body, but a with Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's Gyllenhaal. Bubble Boy head. Yeah. <laughs> That's really terrifying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought it was actually kind of interesting. Not not at all what I thought it was going to be. Um, at one point, I thought it was just going to be... Because every, everyone's in hazmat suits, and he kind of describes what they look like, but he also says, you know, just stuff about them. And I thought it was going to be maybe aliens or something. Or the teacher was actually going to be the worst of them all. And she actually ended up being like a genuine character, and he's and- just by himself. Yeah, good thing she gave him that code. Otherwise, he would have just like 
starved in a box. Yeah, and I guess because she's one of the few people who actually loved him and wasn't just there to get something, you know, get his blood and figure out how to reverse this thing. I'm sure she wanted it just like everybody else, but she still just saw a, a child who needed to be taken care of. And she knew that she wasn't going to be around much longer to do that. So rather than die knowing that he just starved in that room, she gave him a chance. So it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of spooky, but with a happy note, like a hopeful note, I guess. Yeah. But no, I, I just, that. it's just kind of terrifying to think that that kid's just out on his own and doesn't really understand what's going on because <laughs> he hasn't seen the world in five years. Like, luckily, it's just a disease that he's immune to and not a zombie apocalypse yeah, it's, that they're trying to cure. Yeah, he he carries the disease still, which is why they never let him out of that room. It's why they had to wear the hazmat suits, because he killed... He killed that guy. That that Yeah, he killed probably the doctor. He definitely killed Veronica. Well, he didn't, but you know the disease spread from him to Veronica when her suit got okay. ripped. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, I, I've got, you know, I always do my research, even last second Higgins. Ten Arrive do, everyone's favorite author that they definitely know. Uh, they kind of asked her about the disease itself. You know, is that inspired by anything? Uh, she mentions that um, she's wanted to tell a story about a child being raised in isolation and doesn't know about, like, you know, an apocalypse go- going on in the outside world. I, I, I like the quote anyway. She basically says, "It's my idea is it's a spoonful of science helps the narrative go down. <laughs> Okay. So uh, that's clever. I like that, Higgins. That's I don't fancy. care if you don't. I like some science fiction. <laughs> I'm uh, a science fiction. Yeah. And then as far as the disease itself goes, she said that when she was researching and writing another book uh, called The Living Blood, that, that was a novel about a blood that could heal any disease. And she did a lot of research into like hot zones and the Ebola virus and AIDS. Okay. Um, so it just kind of like came from the research she did for those diseases and, okay, and twisted yeah. it around. Like uh, black blood and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, as far as the origin of it, like I said, the father worked at the oil rig, which is apparently where it started. Her idea was just something got unearthed by accident, Yeah, and it was always down there. There's not a lot we can do about it, apparently. <laughs> and yeah, it just mentions, like, it's a short little interview, but it, it mentions that stuff, and then about, uh, again, the, the the Chinese girls that were probably just tortured, tortured to, death, to death, trying to find a cure, and, it's to sh- and that's to show kind of like, what evil acts humanity will stoop to in desperation. So, I don't know. I, I thought for just a small story, it's actually pretty... There's a lot going on in there, kind of like yours as well. Yeah. I'd say this one's at least 15 pages. At least 15? At least 15. It's just on a website. Uh, yeah, mine was a PDF. I found it on a school website. What? I guess they read it in class. What, you think you're better than me just because your book's from school? Yeah, it was It was read in the school. <sighs> mine was in a magazine. Yeah, that's well. Mine was too. I just found it in a school. You just you're unbelievable, Higgins. And you haven't once asked me about my rating. Yeah, what's your rating? Wait, you have a question? Yeah, you said it was like disease J, the virus J, virus J. Do yeah. you think there was a virus A through like I, <laughs> or do you think there was like some clever like reason she named it J? He does mention at one point he thinks it's called virus J because it's named after him oh, since okay. he's one of the few people that uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Might okay. not be true, but that's a good enough reason for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Kids have such a good imagination. Yeah. Oh, man. And everything's about like them. Do you like m- me. <laughs> What's your rating? <laughs> Thank you for asking, Higgins. <laughs> uh, my rating for this one, I, I liked it. Still kind of just like on my mind because I read it right before you got here. Um, but no, I thought it was pretty clever and says a lot and in a very short amount of pages if there were pages. So I'm going to give it... 
zero patience because he's no longer in that building. He's free. Well, that sounds like a bad rating, though. No, no, no. It's good. He got out. He got out. Yeah. But zero's bad, usually. Higgins. Zero out of zero? No, Higgins. <laughs> Just zero, zero patience because he's not there anymore. All right. Jeez. So that's good. I didn't pick apart your rating. Well, I had canned food. You're right. I didn't bring anything. I brought I candy know. corn. You got candy corn. Yeah, you, again, sure you don't want any? Can't, no, I'm all right. All right. You can take the little stand-in thing with you if you want. I'm not going to have anywhere to put it. But you might one day. Yeah, I might one day. Do you really want to take that risk and not take it? I do want to take that risk. The second you buy a piece of furniture, <laughs> it's going to be so empty, so yeah. bare. So bare. And you'll remember this moment. I'll put that on like a like a front porch or something like that. Not your own. That way the mailman's like, I don't know if I should do this or not. <laughs> and that's how you'll know that he's a good mailman if he still delivers that package. And then if he comes inside my house, then I'll put the bowl of candy corn right inside the door. So he'll like run a, run away immediately. Unless he's attracted to candy corn, Higgins. I mean, if he's attracted to candy corn, then we really caught a menace. So <laughs> got him off the streets. <laughs> Worth the sacrifice you yeah. made. You're a brave man, Higgins. Yeah. It's like he might have got me, but he won't get the rest of you guys. Well, Higgins, we've both told a story, and I, for one, am just so scared. I'm shivering right now. I hope you're spooked, too. Oh, I'm spooked. Mm. I was spooked yesterday when I read my book, <laughs> one whole day ahead of you. Just went through <laughs> Just <laughs> went through and broke all pieces of technology you had. Yeah. Yep. Got, out of the, got out of there fast. Yep. You smashed eight phones that day. And a calculator. <laughs> TI-82? No, the one of those smart ones, like the the one like eighty four or something like that. Jeez. I don't know what those are. I didn't even know they made them up to that number. I know. Whew. That one could probably like do your taxes. Yeah. And steal your identity. That's how it starts. Yeah, that's how they get smart. And then they turn you into a big gray blob. Yeah. Mm, don't like that. But you know what I would like to do? What's that? I would like for us to clean up shop one more time. All right. And tell people things. All right. Do you want me to do it or do you want to do it? You know I can't do it right now. Look at how scared I am. All right. I'll do it. Uh, so we have Twitter and mine is Mike Higgins 93. Mm-hmm. And I have an Instagram and it's jsturm93. Wow. And old Snoop over there. That's me. He's at both the Twitter and the Instagram at Snoop underscore Lynch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Made it easy for you. Unlike Higgins because he doesn't care. And that's fine, I guess. Do better next month, though. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're all those things, <laughs> but we're also at an email, as I mentioned yeah, we earlier. Have an email. Yeah, that's right. You can send us a letter. Send us recommendations. Tell us if you read any of these short stories. They're both on... Is it, Yours is online for free, right? Mine's online, yeah. Mine is, too. Cool. Well, you can read both of them and let us know what you think about it. Yeah, and tell us about some other, maybe, scary stories that we can read. Yeah, tell us something even scarier. Maybe you know a story where a young boy with a disease, has to hang out with a computer. And eat candy corn. And eat candy corn together. That actually sounds really lovely, Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably like a pretty pleasing like set of pros, but... <laughs> it's just that one con you can't get over. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Uh, but yeah, our email is yourcomrades at gmail.com. Send us things. Also, if you wouldn't mind, if you have the time, maybe leave us a review somewhere on the podcast app of your choice. Oh, yeah, like a rating or a review... One star, maybe. Five if you can spare them, but one's cool too, I guess. Well, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not the best, but... I think it's, I'm, not gonna, I'm never going to turn down a star that someone wants to give me, all, all right. right? 
That's fair. That's rude. Yeah. Just, just cuz you're scared doesn't mean you have to be an asshole. I I'll I yeah. I want at least two. <laughs> you would. <laughs> well, give him two stars, give me one, it makes three, which is pretty good, I guess. Um or don't, your choice, really. And it's also your choice if you would like to join me and Higginson next month and talk about um Batman the Last Night on Earth. The oh. Yeah, the last issue comes out in the middle of November. Hey, we've read like the first two of those. That's right, and we'll do it again. You better believe it. Yeah, I'll read. I'll read them again. You know I will. Uh, so yeah, join us if you want for that. I'm kind of excited. The second issue is just is all right, but I think the third issue will close out pretty strong. This will be like the first one that's like came out within like a month or so of us reading it, rather than like being an old one. Yeah, so this will be pretty fresh. Maybe yeah. we can get them to sponsor us for this one. Yeah, maybe DC not. DC Comics. No, no, just just Batman. Batman. We'll get Batman to sponsor us. All right, he's got the money. You yeah. can spare it. But yeah, join us for that if you want. Until next time, as I always say, cheers, guys. And Higgins will say, "You, you're struggling here. Let me get you some candy corn." Why you think? No, I was making a, I was making a joke because my book was called "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream." Get that away from me. Get that away from me. If I say bye, then I can get away from the candy corn. So I'll see you guys. Because you'll never escape that candy corn. <laughs>